spoilers. Welcome to Sloppy Spoilers with your host, DT2. What's up, y'all? DT2 Comic Shot here. Welcome to another episode of Sloppy Spoilers. This time, we are going to be talking about Black Widow. And we've got a lot of interesting things to say because this was an interesting movie, and I'm being generous. Uh, let me welcome my co-host. Welcome to David Nemesis Howard. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, all I will say is that Black Widow has put me in a black mood, and that is not a good thing in this case. So, <laughs> welcome to Jeff, Doctor Fate Bracy. Good day, night, evening, <laughs> middle of the day, wherever you happen to be at in the world. And thanks for tuning in. We are missing one of our crew tonight, Steve Seller. So, shout out to Steve. We always miss you when you're gone. Huh. All right, we're going to dive into this film and. Uh, in terms of general impressions, before I throw it over to my co-host, I must have to say, if I could sum this up, I would say this is probably one of the biggest missed opportunities I've seen in a film for a while. Mm. Because every thing that could have and should have been a payoff or a send-off was kind of cut off. And instead, they made a film that feels like it should have been a part of a larger series. Like this was the first movie of two, you know, a trilogy, mm. or this was an interlude. This is really like an extra content movie. Like if we had seen the movie we wanted to see about Natasha's life, this would have been the movie on Patreon that you know you see for the supporters, or this would have been a movie on the DVD extras, where you know, like a whole different kind of thing. Because that's what this was. Literally, if you animated them, you would have the Russian Incredibles ratchet version. And that would have been great. Mm. But if you animated this film and left everything the same, except turning from live action to animation, not only would it have been a better and more believable film, especially with some of the physics, we'll get into that, but it would have been a fun add-on to the actual Black Widow movie that should have been made. So this whole thing is just like a missed opportunity for everything that, that could have and should have happened. So I'll explain that as we go along because I want to hear from my co-host. But I, you know, I'm I'm as a comic lover, I'm disappointed because we never ever uh, ever really got real Natasha. But I kind of accepted that uh because I understand about how you have to sell people like Natasha to American audiences, assassins, you know, hookers, people that struggle with drugs like Electra. That's why we didn't get the real Electra. You don't know anything about the real Electra if all you know is the movie because they couldn't show you the real Electra because that would not sell because they're trying to sell it to, you know, general audiences and kids and normies. That's not the real Electra. That's not who she was. We've never seen Natasha Romanoff for real. But I said, okay, I'll take that. But but this was not no, anywhere near what it should have been. So as a comic fan, I'm disappointed. As a writer, I'm kind of scratching my head. I'm like, mm, okay. And as a reviewer, I'm like, y'all knocked me out of this movie five minutes into it. But anyway, 
Let me hear uh, what my co-hosts think. Start with Nemesis. General impressions. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that this movie, um, you know, I think there's a lot of flaws in the just the concept of this movie. I think there's some flaws in the execution of the movie. I think there's some mistakes with uh, specific characters as well. And honestly, um, I think Natasha deserved better than this. I think there are other stories they could have told. In fact, there's infinite number of stories you could tell because Natasha is the James Bond of the Marvel Universe, you know, or of the Avengers. You could have told any story from her past. And I think the one thing that I'm going to say right off the bat is that they took one of the most interesting stories they could have told, which really would have highlighted this, you know, incredible woman character, this female character and her strength and her bravery to leave the Red Room, to leave the Soviet Union was her defection of S.H.I.E.L.D. They could have told that story. Mm -hmm. Bring back Barton and tell that whole story about how, you know, who she was before, how she came to be disaffected, how S.H.I.E.L.D. recruited her. You know, you would that would have been a fitting sign off to her because then you would have understood her genesis of becoming an Avenger. And we could compare that to how she went out. And I think that would have really paid better tribute to the character instead of this movie, which, you know, I, I'm set, I'll say it now and I'm going to say it continually through this podcast was purely a baton passing exercise to the next Black Widow, which is Elena. So that's right. That's right. Go ahead, Bracey. Yeah, for me, this is uh, two-thirds of a good movie. It's uh, strongest in its first act, still pretty good in its second act. Uh, by the third act, it really loses the plot. But the main focus of it, unfortunately, is not really on the Black Widow. It's about to be uh, baby Black Widow, uh, <laughs> uh, new Black Widow, whatever you want to call her, uh, her sister, Yelena. And it's too bad because, like Nemesis says, uh, you know, Black Widow is a very popular character in the MCU. Uh, we all love her. We all thought she was do her own movie a long time before this. Although this movie really, honestly, should have been in between uh, the whole Infinity Saga with uh, with Thanos. Uh, that book book ends it perfectly, as opposed to like cramming Captain Marvel in there, which should have kicked off uh, Phase Four. That's where you put in Captain Marvel. Uh, you you bring in a whole new age of heroes. And so, like, if Thor's going to be gone, for instance, you bring in your new most powerful character. Uh, so it's it's really sad to see how Black Widow eventually ends up going out. And uh, as we were discussing in the pre-show, uh, we'll see how Yelena is more Black Widow than Black Widow. And ScarJo knows this is her last MCU film. So she's, she's not quite phoning it in, but uh, between her performance and the script... Uh, baby Black Widow gets all the best stuff. And she's just present. All the best stuff, right. She took over uh, original Natasha's personality. Now, just in response to what Jeff just said, which I think was on point, I have to say this. <clears throat> uh, Captain Marvel, Adam Warlock, Terax, Silver Surfer, Fire Lord, Gladiator, Quasar, Nova, both Novas, Frankie Ray Nova and Richard Ryder. Mm -hmm. Okay. We need to see all them folks. That's what phase four should have been would have kicked off the whole cosmic thing, but yeah, maybe we'll do a different pot on that. But anyway, let's start with the opening scene now. <clears throat> I have to say upon reflection and review, this opening scene was 
almost a part of a different film. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what they were trying to say about Natasha because they don't say it later. So was she like a wildcat? Was she the mama bear? Was she kind of out of control? Was she more like, you know, Logan? Was she more feral? What, what, like, what was her thing? I, I, I thought the bait and switch about them being a family, being a whole undercover thing, I thought that was really cool. I thought we were seeing the deep spy side of a, a covert Russian operation. And we were also seeing the impact of being raised in such a way that told you that you give up your life for your country, you give up your life and service for your country and you don't get a vote and there's no freedom and there's no pushback. It's a completely different way of thinking. You just do what you've been trained to do because that's what you're supposed to do. All glory to the state. I bought all that and I thought yeah. that was incredible. But I didn't understand why they wanted us to believe that Natasha was that way as a child. Because if you look at how that starts and if you look at how she ends, Natasha's apologizing for everything she ever did, which was such a character destroying way. But I didn't quite understand what they were trying to say with this whole thing. And then if they're trying to show her protective nature for her, her fake parents or her fake sister, you know, she seems kind of disaffected when she sees him again. And she's like, oh, it was all fake anyway. Then they have the big crying moment. Well, he was real to me too. I'm like, y'all need to make it be mine. Because if they're heartless assassins, trained soldiers, that's a great film. But, you know, they did the same thing they did with Electra. Everybody's sorry. All these people are dead, but we're going to wave it away with some tears and an apology. <laughs> now, now we're good people again, really? The hard despise angle was better. So tell me what you thought when you first see, you know, Miss Blonde and Blue Hair on the screen and that whole that whole thing, which also I want Nemesis to get into a little bit of the physics of that plane escape. Because when they got on the plane and everything that happened after they got on the plane, I was like, mm, maybe Terminators could do that. <laughs> I don't know if people could do that, especially non-super soldier people. But anyway. Uh, uh, Bracey, you start, and then we're going to throw it to Nemesis, and we're definitely going to talk about our introduction to the physics of this film. Okay, the uh, I'm like you. I bought into a lot of this right off the get-go. It made a lot of sense. It's it's set um, uh, a little after the Cold War, really, but there was still uh, spy stuff going on. Uh, I, I like the idea of the deep cover thing. I like yeah, one of the things I like best is uh, we find out immediately after uh, in the in the last part of this intro here that uh, Natasha has already been through one phase of the Red Room, even as a child. Mm -hmm. And she's been in there like, you know, they'll want to send her sister off there who's six. And she's like, oh, you know, you were younger when you went. It's like, ooh, they, they get him in there right away. You talk about service to the state from cradle to the grave, service to the state is what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I appreciated about the red guardian when he reveals his identity, when they're in Cuba is we see what a status he is. He is all on board. Uh, these, these children who he, he has feelings for. It's evident that he has feelings for these, these kids. It's evident he has feelings for his fake wife. Uh, but he is a true red Soviet of that time. He is all for the state all for the party. He is their Captain America. And it all works. The And what I liked about this was 
this gives Natasha a perspective that the Red Guardian didn't have a benefit of, that the that their scientist mom didn't have a benefit of. Uh, although she she wants it, like when they when when he says like, oh, it's time, we've got to go, you know, we're we're bugging out, and she's like, you know, there's there's a moment of hesitation that he doesn't have. She's like, I don't want to go. Now you magnify that a thousandfold onto a child who's already had one phase of the red room and is expecting more in her life if she ever goes back. And so she reacts violently against that. And I can see this being the eventual impetus for Natasha's breakaway uh, from the Soviet bloc to become an American because like she could, uh, she could hold on to that. And I, I felt later on when she talks about like, you know, how did you maintain your soul? How'd you keep your heart when her mom's asking her that? And she's like, you know, you gave me that strength. You know, you told me pain makes you stronger. It's like, you know, it, this isn't the right age, unfortunately, because, you know, the media wants to hate America. Don't hate on the red, white, blue. But <laughs> she should have been, if this movie had been made in like the 80s, she'd have been like, for three years, I lived in a country where we were free and I never lost sight of that. That's what should have been done there. That should have been her whole reason for breaking out and defecting, even at the loss of her, her fake family and her homeland as she knew it. She had seen a better way of life, and that's what she wanted. That's where I would have gone with that. But as the as the ending uh, as the beginning starts, uh, I really like it. And you know, even even getting into the physics, you know, uh, Red Guardian's a super soldier, so I didn't have much problem with him doing the stuff he was doing as far as the plane now. You're not going to take off in a plane with like, you know, 250 extra pounds in a wing, but there's that. <laughs> it's still an action flick, so you got a little you got a little lot of stuff slide. Okay. Um, okay, maybe. I want to hear what Nemesis has to say on that because, again, <clears throat> I said before we started recording, you've got to pick a set of physics. We're either going to have hard cartoon physics, which is Wally Coyote kind of stuff, which is Super leaps, everybody can do super leaps, which is infinite healing factors. You're going to have straight up cartoon physics, or we're going to have real world physics, or we're going to have a hybrid. If we have the hybrid, we have to decide because hybrid physics are heightened reality. Uh, best example is like maybe the Bourne movies. Yeah. The Bourne movies are right at the tippy top of what you could believe somebody could really do. Well, let me, let me rebut that just a little bit then. Um, because what we see here with Natasha throughout the film is... <clears throat> All of our previous uh, appearances of her in all these movies, she's mm -hmm. got the heightened physics. She's got like the the born level, the kind of Batman-ish thing going on. She's like mm -hmm. right at the edge of being superhuman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's like you guys, I'm sure, are going to say like uh, she she's not as powerful as people like the Taskmaster or Captain America or the Red Guardian. But she's clearly in this movie going beyond human level. She's getting more into like the uh, the kung fu movies, the Wuja, where like she's. Any moment now, she's going to be starting to do with some wire foo. <laughs> some wire foo, that's right. So, I mean, you know, so it was just all all over the place until, you know, I was like, you know, maybe some Terminators could uh, survive that whole plane thing. But I don't know. The father out there all that time. And then when they land, it's like they all don't have a scratch. And I don't know. Anyway, Nemesis, what do you think? Opening sequence, cartoon physics, that open. Yeah, well, first of all, I want everyone to keep in mind, because I want to touch on some of the good stuff first, but keep in mind what you just said about you have to decide on your physics, because I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Um, the good stuff, I totally believed uh, 
the embedding of the family. I thought that was a great dynamic. The yeah. only problem I had with it, you know, and I wanted to get that out of the way because I thought that was a cool story and everything. The problem is, is that the dates don't quite match up, you know, mm. and, and that is a really nerdy thing on my part. And most people wouldn't catch that. And so I freely admit that. And if you want to say nemesis, you're being nerdy. I'm blowing you off on that one. I understand. But the problem is, is that if you go with Natasha being roughly Scarlett Johansson's age, Scarlett Johansson was seven when the Soviet Union fell. Yeah. Okay. So this girl in this movie who is playing young Natasha looks like she's probably, what, 11, 12? Yeah. You know, which would mean that we're talking 1996. That is firmly into the common uh, work past even the Russian, the Confederation stage where it was still Russian republics and they were in a republic. And we're really into Russia. You know, we're almost at Vladimir Putin's Russia at this point. So the Soviet era is long past, you know, so you need to explain for the, you know, if, if you want to, you can just ignore history nerds like me. But, you know, if you want it to really fit into the, the world, you need to explain why there's still a Red Guardian and, and a Soviet, you know, people obviously with Soviet ideology doing these things, because at that yeah. point, it wasn't Soviets anymore. It was Russians, you know, and 90s Russia was very anti-Soviet. We were not to Putin yet, where Putin is, is trying to rebuild the Soviet empire. That that comes a little bit later. We're still in Boris Yeltsin's Russia, which is a corrupt Russia trying to be a Western power. So, you know, that that's a little thing. But, you know, one thing you're going to find when I talk about this movie is there's a lot of little things that took me out of my suspension of disbelief. Yes. And led me to have problems with this movie. So yeah, that. this is this is the period when Russia is basically being run by its mob. Exactly. So you know, and 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 if you want a great example of what that looks like, and a great example of how you kind of merge those two, go watch Goldeneye. Oh yeah, uh, James Bond movie Goldeneye. They really show you exactly what's going on with that, and how you still have Soviet stuff going on, but the mob is now controlling it in Russia. Great movie to look at. Um, so you had that going on. Now let's get into you know the physics of what you're talking about, where you got to make up your mind. So uh, the Red Guardian, we find out later he's a super soldier. I totally buy that. They had the Winter Soldier. It makes sense that they would make it super soldiers and stuff like that. Uh, and they're doing all that stuff, and he, he gets up on the plane. My problem with that is that the plane does all these maneuvers, tips on its side, it comes back, and the wing <laughs> hits on a car. The structural physics of a wing are not, they're not strong that way. So the wing should have split, you know, and the wing should have split a couple times and then they take off and everything. Okay. Now, if you're going to say, we're going to ignore all that and we're going to have movie physics, that's fine. However, I'm going to fast forward you all the way to the third act of the movie. And there is a scene where the red guardian hits a dude that's hanging on to a plane, a jet, a military jet this time. And he falls off and hits the tail fin straight into its strength. So head on. Yeah. So that's the strongest part. And one single dude shears off the entire tail fin of a military jet. All right. Those should've two things. Should have split that dude in two. <laughs> yeah. Those two things don't match up. So right. right there, you know, my mind, the way my mind works, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This movie is just playing fast and loose and doing whatever it wants. You know, so... Uh, you know, you've already taken me out of the suspension of disbelief for regular physics. 
when you're doing this thing with the plane at the beginning. And then a military jet has a 180 pound dude just shear off a military fighter jet, you know, <laughs> tail, you know, just doesn't make any sense. And you're going to see examples of this throughout the whole movie where they just kind of play fast and loose with everything in order to advance the story. And for me, the biggest problem was early on, I lost that suspension of disbelief. And so immediately I was in that mode where I'm just like tunnel vision. I'm just like, Bam, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And that's not a good headspace to be, you know. So. so we're supposed to believe that this movie takes place right after uh Captain America Civil War. And so <clears throat> they try to tie it into the MCU timeline, into the whole Avengers thing by bringing in Ross and he's hunting down Natasha, and they're doing that banner banter. Or what, excuse me, whatever. And that whole connection to me also felt very, very strained because I was like, part of it was because we've been so far removed from the time that that relationship was fully antagonistic or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was kind of hard to dredge those emotional connections back up. But also because how, how Ross still has a job, how he's even employed by the government or whoever, maybe he has some dirt on some people because I'm like, you are not competent ever. Okay, you haven't dealt well with Hulk or Thor. You keep trying to blame that on Tony. You know, do you know where Thor and Ben are right now? Maybe you should know because remember that when Tasha, Natasha went to hunt him down, she said, We never lost you. We've always known where you were. We would just keep certain people away from you and all that. So it was like mm -hmm. a competent approach. Out of all the people you're going after, you're going after Natasha. Of all people, why? She already put all the stuff out on the internet in Winter Soldier. So what are you going to accomplish? Is this just like, are you flexing? Or, you know, what, what's, what's going to be different if you were to capture her? If it was Wanda Maximoff, someone who has the power to hold the city hostage, as we saw, that's a little bit different. I can buy that a little bit. I can buy that level of manhunt. But Natasha, why, why? And then that's, a, that's another. Just I want to follow up on that. Why is Natasha even subject to Sokovia Accord? She's not a super powered individual, but she's a recognized Avenger. Okay, right. right. And so uh, all that happens, and and it amazes me. And you know, and part of it is because it's one of my most hated comic book tropes. But nobody turns up their game until they're hunting the heroes. You ever notice that? Yeah. You know, the Joker can just walk in and out of Arkham Asylum. You know, everybody's like, la, 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 la. Oh, he kills some more kids. La, 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 la. I don't see you. If they turn after Batman, they call in police from five different counties and we go, yeah. oh, from the choppers. <laughs> and he's cornering. He's running through the construction site. And Andre has to bail him out. It's, it's only when they chase the heroes that it seems like they get serious about that. And so that always just irritates me. So when I'm looking at that whole thing, I'm like, you know, you lost. I mean, you created the abomination. Maybe they mm -hmm. don't know that in this story world, but the audience does. And you can't ever get a hold of Thor or Hulk, but thinking you could control Thor was, you know, just ridiculously stupid from the jump. But I'm saying he keeps flexing through that whole sequence, like, you know, what we're going to do to you and don't try it with this and with that. I'm like, you ain't none of what you're saying. You're none of what you're saying. And then on top of all that, I'm like, <clears throat> It also made me wonder later on in the film when you know, Natasha goes back to try to heal her adopted family or whatever, 
to me, I would think the spy instinct and the survival and self-preservation instinct would have kicked in and overrode all those warm fuzzies of, I know they're trying mm. to convince us that the warm fuzzies of the original family kind of turned her heart. But once again, I'm familiar with the real Natasha and the real Natasha would have had a body double. And by the time Ross got to that, that woman would have laughed at you because that wasn't Natasha at all. Natasha mm -hmm. was somewhere else because she's also a master of disguise. You know, well, in, in, the, in the movie, she has the face tat. In the comic, she could just be somebody else. That's a great point, though. I asked the same question. When Ross shows up later in the, in the thing, I'm like, and then the, all of a sudden they just cut that scene and Natasha is gone. Two weeks later, you know, she's walking around. I was like, well, what happened? How did she get away from Yeah, Ross? that was that was pretty how, jarring. How did Ross screw it up this time? And by the way, what is Ross doing in Russia in the first place? You know, so it's well, like well, <laughs> and see another thing, a lot of it has to do with the way you write it and how the actors are directed. And here's what I mean by that. There's a way to play a scene that says, because I've seen it, like it's in Highlander, for example. In Highlander, when they first discover that Connor has come back from the dead, everybody, everybody around him freaks out and says that he's in league with the devil. You've got to get out. If you don't get out, we will kill you because you're some kind of thing that we can't figure out. And maybe you keep coming back from the dead, whatever. So I bought all that. When he's talking to his cousin and his cousin is about to let him go, he says, I'll never forget you, Angus. And Angus kind of blinks and says, just that little short head nod. And that tells me, I don't want to do this. I don't want to exile you, but I know I have to. Mm -hmm. That, if they played it that way, I could buy it. But they always play Ross like, I don't like you Avengers anyway. <laughs> I don't even know why you messing up <laughs> my city. And if I had my way, that kind of thing. And I'm like, why would y'all ever trust this man? Why would yeah, he's, this man? he's like a Peter Henry Guyrich dressed up as General Ross. Okay, there you go. There you go. Because General Ross in the comics had a thing for Banner. They sold me that in the Norton film. That's mm. one of the best parts about the Norton film is that the rivalry between those two men for a bunch of different reasons is very, very real. And with Betty in the middle. That's perfect. That's straight out the comics. But here I'm like, you clearly have had this thing against the Avengers. Was it because you couldn't control them or whatever? And you put Wanda in this power dampening collar, which I will never forget, by the way. And I'm like, I just didn't understand all his flexing. And, I'm, and, and Natasha is 10 times smarter than that. She that wouldn't have been cornered in that space. She would have had a body double. She would have been 10 no, she, of that. Yeah. Well, she wasn't cornered. I mean, think about it. If his trying to catch her is so ridiculous because how many years had she been operating in and out of U.S. spaces uh, before she defected and they That's never the were able to tag her? her? That's the premise yeah. of her character. Yeah. The, the whole idea of them ever catching her is just foolish. You know, without so, without some superhero help, without uh, mystics or psychics or something to pinpoint her. But from a from a, a from a writer's code standpoint, I just want to mm -hmm. point out that the reason that Ross uh, Banner thing works so well is that from a human standpoint, all of us, whether you're a comic fan or not, understand that we understand that there's two people that are like oil and water, just personality wise. They're they're outlook on the world and everything else that and then you throw in the dynamic of a dad with a guy trying to date his daughter who yeah. he doesn't doesn't approve of everybody understands that yeah. no you don't yeah need if to you you don't need to explain that that tension if, you, if you want ross hating on the avengers you've got to make him j jonah jameson and the hulk is his spider-man 
Then he's got beef with the Avengers. Why do you have this monster, this walking WMD on your team? He's going to freak out eventually. He's going to wreck a city, and then I'm going to be coming right for you guys. Yeah, now if they played it that way, that makes more sense, and that's more comic accurate. But here's mm -hmm. the thing. It's the through line between the movies. It's mm -hmm. the, the story thread that connects the film. So even if you have different directors, we as the audience have something to follow and latch on to. But the other, um, the other problem with that is that they decided to go away from real Hulk and turn him into bro Hulk. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is that we got. So right, right, yeah, dabbing Hulk, signing autographs for teenagers with the glasses, and Professor Hulk, and you can miss me with that. Yeah. So, so that's how we transition somewhat into the modern day. And you know, Natasha's trying to make good on her escape or whatever, but then. We uh, get the jump cut and we see that Yelena, which is a Black Widow, is out on a mission and then she gets uh, a dose of, of the Red Cloud, of the mystic, mystic-y dust, the mind control breaking dust, which is ridiculous because of pheromones later, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, so the, the mystic mind control breaking dust happens and only in the movies can you snap out of mind control like that. <laughs> so you've been mind control all this time and something happens and you're you like that. And, oh, what am I doing? Oh, okay. So then that's going on and we find out very, very quickly that, you know, now the Black Widows are victims of some type of external thing. And I, that was another thing that made me like, um, uh, uh, because they didn't just ruin Natasha, they ruined the Red Room. The Red yeah. Room was this awful, ugly, scary, you know, no one to be subjected to a kind of place, but it had a mystique and it had a, it had, it had kind of that government feel, but now we see it's kind of the small, petty kind of woman controlling, it's, it's, it's get, got reduced, they destroyed that too. But anyway, so Yelena gets free and then she sends some of the magic goo to her sister and the sister is automatically going to know what to do. And that reminded me of the scene in Wonder Woman where Hippolyta shoots an arrow and it just lands. And it was like, they're like, what is that arrow going to do? And, and Hippolyta is like, she'll know. Diana will know. So that's what this was. Like, Natasha will know. You know, he's the red goop from the red room to break the mind control. You know, uh, okay. And and when they're looking at that whole thing, I'm like, it felt overly convoluted because why didn't you just send a coded email? Why didn't you just send a text message on a burner phone? Why didn't you just do something other than something that had a 98% chance of failure? That's what I mean. I mean, of course, it could have had other means of communication, but what are the chances that secret formulas get to however they got there. And Taskmaster still knew that Natasha had it and that whole thing. So I'm looking at the bridge between how we get Natasha to get back with Yelena and, and the code that Yelena sends her and how she responds to it and that whole thing. And the last thing I'll say about this is, this is a whole other thing that makes me feel like we should have heard of you before now. Even between Natasha and Barton, Natasha and Clint had plenty of private moments, especially in the first Avengers, where they talked about the past, they talked about things they cared about, 
And then we get a big reveal, a necessary reveal in Age of Ultron, that Barton actually has a farm and a family. If we go with all of that, and Natasha's talking to his wife, you know, Miss Pregnant Belly, and it, so if we go with all that, no way Natasha never mentions. She would have said it to Banner when they were talking about the shower thing and we're both monsters and I can't have kids and, you know, and my fake family, you know, that kind of thing. And she would have said it to, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so uh, if Florence Pugh wasn't so charming, she's just charming and endearing and instantly you can't help but like her. But if you just kind of step back and remove yourself from that, the connection between the two women felt very tenuous to me to introduce this whole part of Natasha's life, which was the whole foundation of her life. And we never heard anything about it. So what do you guys think about uh, all I'm talking about? The whole connection, the red magic cloud dust, breaking the spell, the army of widows, and how that's a, a clear message from Yelena to Natasha to, you know, come help us deal. What do you think about that? Start with Nemesis. Yeah, I think my main problem with this is that um, I had an inkling that there was something wrong with this whole concept. And then the longer the movie went on, the more I got concerned. You know, by the time the movie ends, we find out that there are thousands of Black Widows all over the world. And I'm going to talk about that when we get to that, because that brings up other problems. But <laughs> the, the problem here is that... Um, you know, the whole setup is okay, and they're going, and they find out that they're trying to eliminate this one Black Widow who's freed herself somehow with the magic, you know, the magic dust and everything. And and it didn't occur to me until you were talking just now why it just felt hollow to mm -hmm. a certain extent. I liked the setup, but it didn't feel satisfying as it could have been. And the reason is, is I've seen this movie before, and I've seen it done better and written better. It's called Jason Bourne. <laughs> um, this is basically Jason Bourne, all of it, the whole thing. And one of the things that really bugs me about the fact that there are like 2 billion widows on the planet is that when you have some people like this, the number one thing you are going to be afraid of, especially if you've got them under tight control like this, is that they'll eventually turn on you. So mm -hmm. you keep their numbers small and you keep them under control and you keep a level or several levels between you, you know, barriers, buffers between you and them because you don't want them coming back to find you. That's exactly what happens to Jason Bourne. Mm -hmm. Jason Bourne is incredible that way. And you come to find out, and it's the same way, the way they train Jason Bourne in New York. It's the Red Room, but it's for everybody, you know, for soldiers and stuff. They did the same things to them. They did mind control to them. Everything is exactly the same, but just feels so much better done so much more grounded in uh, possibility, not reality, but possibility and possible reality, you know, other than this, you know, which which just cheapens this even more because now you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, this is a cheap comic book imitation of a great movie, which was Jason Bourne. And that's really sad to say. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, I definitely agree with that whole thing about how we've seen it done before and better. And... <clears throat> the other thing, and then I'll throw it to Bracing, the other thing about, about all of that is <clears throat> the uh, or good writing is supposed to tell you why is this happening now. It's not just supposed to tell you what is happening. It's supposed to tell you why it's happening and why is it happening now. And 
based on how the movie unfolds from here, these events, if something like this was gonna happen, it should have happened a long time ago. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know how to say it. You know, when Natasha and Yelena meet, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when they actually meet, Natasha's like, I didn't think you wanted to see me. And Yelena's like, that's ridiculous. So I was like, I, so I didn't understand the connection you know, wouldn't there have been a cry from help, a cry for help from another sector, or wouldn't Natasha know more about the Black Widow program, the Red Room, or wouldn't she be kind of determined to take it down because of what it did to her, if she already knew what it was doing to other women, or just everything about it? I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. The movie did not do a good enough job of explaining why it was happening and why it's happening now, and why now they care enough to bring it down and that whole thing. I can, I can explain that just real quick for go to Jeff. You know, it's because the one and only time before this that we see Yelena and Natasha together, they're kids, and then they split them up, and we never see that they have any relationship past that. So why would we know or care what their relationship is or how they interacted with each other and a whole host of other things? So. True, true. Go ahead, Jeff. Let me hear your thoughts. All right. Uh, I want to hit on something initially that you mentioned that bugs me with the new phase of Marvel movies coming out. And that's the fact, uh, you know, this movie should have really been set in the eighties, for instance, uh, at the height of the cold war, you explain how they're all extremely long lived because of whatever super soldier process they've developed, even if it's watered down. Uh, you know, so even as a kid, you know, if they had been introduced to the red room, they're going to age slowly, you know, cause there's, there's this whole trope in Marvel about, uh, you know, the main character is not aging. We got the sliding time scale. So things like that fix this. If superhuman people live longer, if they're a little bit better, a little bit hardier, you know, if they heal a little faster, a little, a little better, they get better telomeres in their DNA, all that sort of thing. There's all kinds of ways to explain it. Now, like you said, why haven't we heard of her sister before? If we've had all these interactions, okay, she's a super spy she still could have brought it up, especially if they're planning on doing something with Natasha at some point, you know, like I left a, I left a family behind. I left a sister behind. I left a lot of sisters behind. If I think about the women of the red room as a sort of, uh, dysfunctional family, but I can already see that Marvel is making tremendous mistakes in this area, uh, with the trailer for the, um, blast it. Uh, what are their names now? Icarus, Cersei, all those guys. Uh, the Eternals. Eternals. Uh, they're like, you know, we have, we have been here all the time guiding your history, your civilization. like, so why weren't you there for Thanos, dog? What's up with that? Chitauri <laughs> invasion. Yeah. You, you just it's like bad. sat that, you sat that one out. I'm presuming the snap took out half of y'all too. Yeah. Like, but that's cool. We're more like, it, it, I think like life, eternal life would be the most important thing to an eternal. So, no, no, it, it, what Marvel's getting into now doesn't make any sense. Uh, it should be like Star Trek, except with rare exceptions like Enterprise. Star Trek should always move forward. Don't go back. Move forward. That's the only way to progress the story. If you're going to go backwards, you need to go way back. You've got to go into a time before the uh, uh, next explosion of the Age of Heroes. You know, we had some in World War II. We could have some in the modern age, you know, and there's like little blips in between, but we, we got to go further back. So 
that's a that's a problem I have with a lot of this stuff. You're you're trying to force in stuff uh, that you didn't anticipate before, and if you're if you're building a world and you know this is going to be a long running franchise, and I'm I'm impressed with what they have done, but you have to consider these things. So the the integration of elements that have been in place, uh, you have to be prepared to work them in in a way that is logical. And this doesn't do this. And from what I'm seeing of uh, newer Marvel movies coming out, I'm afraid they're not going to do it either. Uh, the next problem we have here is the Red Room itself. Now, uh, Nemesis like, rightly put out, it's Jason Bourne. I have to agree with that. Uh, that's better than the example I was going to go with because there is the indoctrination, the mind control in there. Where I was going to go with it, with uh, especially once you find out it's this many flipping widows, <laughs> the, this is John Wick. This is a global organization of assassins. That's the it's a massive network. If he's got all you know, the uh, what's his name, Drago, uh, if he's got all these widows all over the place, but then again, we get into the same doggone problem. If he says they're running around the globe, they're 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 toppling governments, and all this like uh, John Wick, uh, you can tell these people who are in it. A lot of them don't really want to be in it. If you look at like Halle Berry's reaction, they it feels like they were all kind of brought up into it, and maybe we'll get that story someday. So if it's a similar thing, there is a there there has to be a system in place for that. And it's like Nemesis said, you've got to have uh, some sort of means of command and control. Uh, so my answer is not a pheromone, uh, not chemical indoctrination. That's dumb. That can be broken. If somebody catches one of your spies. And if you don't have the kill switch on them, well, we if we have to go that far, we dissect them and we figure them out. So what you need to do is you need to put some micro bombs in their skull. Mm. Uh, something's going to just that. kill them outright. You know, something's going to blow out their uh, medulla oblongata or their brainstem. No problem. <coughs> and that's not something you can just easily cut out from underneath your jeans like your little tracker. No, you yeah. put it in the skull. And uh, then you've got a means of control. Like when the girl is forced to kill her, it's like, I don't want to do it. It's like, well, you ain't got no... It, no choice, and like you can even go because we got superhero technology. You can even have something uh, since they're talking about these uh, ways of controlling animal responses. You can even have something that stimulates part of their brains. Uh, I forget which system it'd be, but uh, it, it almost acts like the. Forgive me for mentioning this pretty bad film, the the happening, where it just basically mm -hmm. turns you super suicidal. Mm -hmm. And uh, the agent takes themselves out like that. It doesn't have to be overly complex. It doesn't have to be nanotechnology. Just something that sim stimulates a certain part of your brain, which just turns off all survival instinct. Uh, you know, because uh, we've it's out there in nature. We've got funguses that uh, uh, they will jump on things like uh, you know ants, and it forces the ant to go out and be eaten by birds because that's the next stage of its life cycle. So there are things in the natural world that exist there. So that's what you need to do with the uh, the red room in that respect, uh, because this this grossly heavy organization doesn't work. It's like Nemesis said: you have to have a tight unit. Uh, that's the best way for secrecy. That's the best way for efficiency. And on top of that, we've already seen in uh, Civil War 
that they had another program going on with Captain America level super soldiers. You know, that was Zemo's whole thing was taking them out and as well as breaking up the Avengers. So that alone, uh, it was like, well, why do we need the red room then? If we've got this, if we can make a whole bunch of red guardians, I mean, you can make a, a little bit of an argument like, you know, female spies and assassins can get to some places where men can't. And I'm down with that. But, uh, you know, that many, it, it's, even in a fantasy movie, it's it just gets to the point of being ridiculous. And the the worst line of all in the film is when they have the guys like you know the the Earth's most like overly abundant resource like girls is like like what a trash line, <laughs> what an absolute trash line in this film. It's like we want to like if you want to beat the patriarchy, here's the ultimate patriarchy. This guy right here, he just considers women nothing but like little tools. It's like that is comical on a way that, you know, you're not going to find Magneto, Dr. Doom, or even Thanos spouting a trash line like that. The only thing they didn't have was a line, like, flashing down at them saying, misogynist, misogynist, misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're going to talk about the uh, Harvey uh, Weinstein. Uh, I, I wanted to make a point. Harvey right. Weinstein. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they used the Harvey Weinstein insert. There's yeah. no way yes, yes. Oh, my God. Poor <laughs> Ray Winstone. Poor Ray I, Winstone. I, I love Jeff's point about this being set in the 80s. And you know what? They already had it set up. They have a hero in the 80s yeah. who, was, who was doing S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff at the time. And that opening scene could have been Red Guardian fighting Ant-Man and the Wasp. And yep. then when he's in oh, prison. Oh, dude. Yes. And, and then when he's in prison, bragging about how he fought Captain America when he never did, he's ways he's do that is because he's ashamed that he couldn't hold his own against two Ant Man uh, and the Wasp. Ant Man <laughs> and the Wasp. So. Beautiful, so, I love it. Yeah. So now, now that uh, transitions really well. Right. What I wanted to talk. I want about the Nemesis now. cut. <laughs> right, right, right. No, seriously, what I wanted to talk about next was this right here. That being that uh, once they introduce the family, the dynamic of the movie changes again. And it's not that it changes for the worse. It's just it makes you instantly realize that Natasha is the fifth wheel in this mix. If it wasn't clear when they bring in the Incredibles ratchet, you know, Russian version, everybody's funnier. Everybody's more interesting. Everybody's more deadly. Everyone's taken more seriously. The actors play it with more gravitas or humor, whatever's required. And I was like, not that I'm not enjoying it, but it's like, isn't this supposed to be about Natasha? Shouldn't this be about Natasha? Shouldn't she? Shouldn't we be giving these accolades to Scarlett for her acting and Natasha for her characterization? But once we meet each member of the family, they upstage her, which is the wrong direction. Yeah. For the Black Widow movie. So, for example, the Red Guardian, we knew from the trailer. He was basically uh, a Mr. Incredible, Fred Flintstone. I said before we started recording, it reminded me of Bouncing Boy. So we knew he was going to be a clown and get clowned. So it wasn't, at least he had some moments where he, he, he showed how strong he was and how invulnerable he was and how tough he was. At least we had that. But we still had to have the obligatory, obligatory scenes where he's belittled, he's humiliated, he's, you know, just the loyal dog. Just, huh? You pet me, I guess, feed me, I guess. Okay, that kind of thing. 
which I've had more than enough of. And then when we introduced the mom, of course, the mom is a mastermind. Of course, she's a smart one. Of course, she's a dangerous one. Of course, she's the one that's behind everything. But later on, she betrays them again. And then at the end of the movie, they're all like, did you feel okay? Does everybody feel okay? Touchy feeling, handshake, hug. Are we feeling? Just how are you feeling? And I'm like, and then Yelena, as we talked about quite a bit, she completely steals the show. This movie is two seconds from being Yelena's movie. So we know it was yeah. a baton passing movie, but she's hilarious. You know, the only thing, uh, uh, like I said, it's Florence Pugh's charm in the way she plays her. The physicality of the Yelena character wasn't necessarily anything outstanding per se. And she had a lot of inside jokes with making fun of the superhero pose, which was mm -hmm. the funniest scene to me possible. Yeah. So when we introduce this family, you know, she's got her guns drawn. She's ready to take them out. She's not sure what, what side they're on. They, you know, might be willing to kill her. And then they, you know, Natasha and Elena fight when they meet. And then, but they're having a sister kind of fight. You didn't care about me. You didn't come see about me. I didn't think you wanted me to talk to you. I didn't think, you know, I thought you wanted to be left alone. And you aren't my sister anyway. What? <laughs> so all that goes down, and then we get the best scene with the flipping of the head and the arm and the head and the arm and the head, and you're such a poser, which I love. And then that whole thing, but like once we get to the family kitchen table dynamic, for me, that's when the Black Widow movie officially ended and the Russian Incredibles movie started. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, y'all do realize we want to see some more of this, right? Y'all do realize this is a shame. This is a one-shot thing because this yeah. family is great. Everything about this family is hilarious. We want to see this again. This could be a weekly series. This could be a 10-episode limited series. But we want to see this. This is great. This is the standout of the movie. I'm like, and Natasha is the least interesting character at the table. I, I, will, I will just chime in real quick and say to you, not only that, I would have liked, you know, Marvel is about to come out with their What If series. How yeah. interesting would it have been if we got an Avengers type movie series or, or mini series or whatever with this family and some other Russian characters and they're dealing with superpower threats within the old Soviet Union and we yeah. have to see it from the other side, you know, and they're trying to fly under the radar of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else. That would be amazing. Yeah, Absolutely Dark Star, Vanguard, Ursa yeah. Major, bring in some of those guys too. I mean, uh, I, one of the other things that I'm going to say real quick, and then I'll let you know, go kick it back to DT. I thought it was funny as hell. You know, yeah, she was bagging on him, but at one point, Yelena gives him a little diss by calling him uh, Crimson Dynamo. She's like, "What is yes. Crimson Dynamo or whatever?" He's like, "It's Red Guardian." I was just like, I was dying. I, I did like, love that. Oh. <laughs> That's like, and then I was like. Well, wait, where's Crimson Dynamo? I want to see it. Because <laughs> it's another inside joke, but it's just for the comic people. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. And so, yeah. And so, like I said, that whole thing, that's when the Black Widow movie officially ended. And uh, like I said, I want to see more of them. I uh, was a little bit, and still am a little bit confused about whether or not there is real trust in this family, because sometimes they play it like there's no trust. They're like, we're all spies. It was all an act. And then by the end, they're like, we totally love each other for real. I am proud of the Daltons. And I'm like, okay. I, I got a point on that one. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
I have had the opportunity to interact with a number of people who were Soviet citizens or Soviet military, both during the Soviet era and afterwards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a real character trait, especially of people that grew up in the Soviet Union, because no matter how much you grew attached to someone, even family, you had to be careful what you said, mm. how you said it, and who you said it to. Always, always. Okay. So it, it really is a thing, especially if you grew up in that era. Now, I don't know if they knew that and they did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I've given them too much credit, but that, <laughs> that came off real for me. So I, I like that. So Okay. 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 All right. So, Bracey, what do you think about the whole family dynamic? You know, there's a, there's a lot to like about the family. I love their interactions. Again, like you said, Natalie is uh, – or Natasha is the least interesting person at the table, which is a, a real – a shame uh, because Yelena has become Natasha. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as I stated earlier in my intro, she gets all the best lines. She gets all the best emoting. Yeah. Uh, Scar Scarjo isn't even doing the best emoting in the film. You know, when they have that great moment where like, you know, Oh, you know, I, who cares? I'm just a scientist. I just do what I'm told. I made the mind control stuff. And like, you just watching Yelena just sit there. And I, I was sitting there like, is she, is she going to stab her mother in the face right now? Like the, the conflict of the emotions, you know, like I, I hate you right now, but like you're the only mother I know at the same time. Uh, just a, a great performance without any words. Uh, I thought right there. Uh, I thought David Harbor was great when they're not just having him be nothing but a buffoon. And even his, even in his buffoonery, he managed to have some really heartfelt dad moments. Yes. And it, it made me wish for something. Like when he starts, he, he can't quite reach his daughter. He's trying to tell this ridiculous story about, you know, what fathers do in his own clumsy way. And then he does something that calls back to her the happiest times in her life. He starts singing Yelena's favorite song, Bye Bye Miss American Pie. And mm -hmm. that gets to her. And that's something only a father can do, only family can do. And so my thing is, if you're going to play them up as spies, you play them up as spies. You really get into that where they they deal with the fact that like we bought into this fiction for a while of being a family. And if that's going to be the case, I think I would have stretched that to like maybe five, eight, or even ten years of living in deep cover. That would have really made a far more solid bond, I thought, than just three years. I thought that's something that the training really could have overcome. Uh, so if you're going to have the familial bond, you need a real reason for it to be there much more strongly. And um, if that's not the case, they should be like uh, in the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith when they each discover they're spies for different agencies. That sort of tension all the time uh, where they're like trying to figure out like, oh, is, is my little sister going to backstab me? Is it going to be mom? Is it going to be dad? Who's it going to be? And then they have to learn how to trust each other all over again. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that I wish they had done the most, and unfortunately they weren't because they set it up that they, when in the red room, you get neutered. I wish this had actually been their family because in the opening scene, when David Harbor, he is such a, a believer. He is religiously believing and the power of the state and the party. I didn't realize that these were not going to be his kids initially. 
I didn't realize that was not his wife initially because they they sold me on that in the beginning. And he's like, no, no, you know, it's fine. My daughter, you know, you were strong. My girls are strong. You'll be tough. You're going to be great. You're going to be the greatest agents. And that would have fit in with that later scene where he's like, like you've killed so many people. I am so proud of you. <laughs> if they were really his kill children and he had been indoctrinated in this lifestyle so much, he's such a patriot to his system as the way it was then that, you know, I'm willing to let my offspring be neutered because I was thinking before, like before we knew that he wasn't their father, I was thinking like, this guy's a monster. He's so horrible. He's sending his daughters off to be, you know, butchered internally. But, you know, you can still work that even if that's their whole process of all these super agents. Uh, it it kind of gets in the whole, like uh, something like crying Freeman where all the assassins, uh, they get neutered because they don't want, too much attachment. They don't want people creating lineages because lineage leads into dynasties, which leads into power struggles. That sort of thing can work here. So if you're going to have an adopted familiar bond, you need a lot more than just those three years. At least Elena and, um, and Natasha could have had that being raised up in the red room together. But if that's the case, she surely would never have left her there. And if she did, you need to have some reason where, like, you see a flashback of Elena telling her, like, she's still a statist. And she's like, you know, you, you betrayed everything, you know, mom, dad, and I believe in, you know, like, you are no sister of mine. That would have played in really strongly as well. So that's what I wish we'd seen. Uh, I did enjoy the family interaction, such as, like you said, these these woefully broken and desperate people clinging to this fiction and uh, – there's a part of me that hopes that they they do enjoy some sort of uh, bizarre family life because I, I like them together. Mm-hmm. All the actors played this really well. They had great chemistry and great charisma within their family group, uh, except for Natasha because ScarJo's done. <laughs> it's just such a passing of the baton. It's, it's like you said, this is no longer her movie at this point. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you guys carry the torch because I'm out of here. But uh, that's where I was at watching this part. Well, her personality is flat. If you think about it, you can remember Yelena's lines. You can remember mm-hmm. uh, just about everybody else's lines. You can't remember Natasha's lines if you think about it, which is always indicative. Yeah, uh, and Natasha used to have some of the best lines in the series. Some of the best lines. Some of the best lines are very interesting to watch, especially when we found out that, like when she was with Loki, she's like a real Black Widow. You know, she's mm-hmm. preying on you even when you don't think she's preying on you. And she's reading you even when you don't think she's reading you and she's paying attention. That kind of thing. That was great. But here that's she did have one away. moment. She did have one moment like that towards the end of the film. But yeah, but yeah. it was that was a little silly. Little, yeah, it was it was it was far weaker than the Loki scene. Far that's weaker right. than that that's scene. Right. So let's talk briefly about the can, the, I, can I add something real quick? Go ahead. Uh I, I do want to say on the whole family dynamic, um, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, like you guys said already, Elena is more, you know, uh, Natasha than Natasha. Yeah, Natasha. And then the mom character is really the, the, the more serious version of Black Widow, you know. And then the dad, um, you know, Red Guardian, I really bought that character a lot because I understand that mindset he's in where he is a, was a true believer and is now disillusioned. And I thought that was one of the greatest things in that film 
And I would say that I, I would love to see Black Widow movies going forward. You know, if that's Yelena, then it's Yelena, whatever. But I would encourage any writers that are going to write stuff like this going forward, they need to do their homework. They need to watch Jason mm -hmm. Bourne. They need to watch La Femme Nikita for yeah. sure. And they need to watch uh, an old movie from Bridget Fonda called Point of No Return, which is all uh, about, the La Femme yeah. Nikita remake. Yep. All about female agents and using their assets, you know, their training and their feminine wiles in order to, to accomplish missions. And then one female agent trying to get out. Great movie. So, you know, if anybody in our audience has never seen these movies or these shows, go back and watch them because that's what this movie and the Black Widow franchise could have been. You could have had a whole Black Widow franchise and I would have eaten it up just eating it up well even that uh what was that movie that uh jennifer lawrence did recently uh like the red sparrow that was the red room all over again yep. that was that was the black movie widow movie we should have gotten right there yep red sparrow is a good movie let's talk briefly about the hysterectomy line <laughs> because they <laughs> made such a big deal out of it it was one of those things where i felt like for a moment i had stepped over into like, you know, Seth MacFarlane territory. <laughs> I was like, really, y'all? Really? Really? And it, it just felt out of place to me. I want to know what you guys think about that because it was just like graphic and gross and they were laughing about it. And I'm saying, huh, I wonder if Hawkeye and Tony had made that same joke. Mm. Or maybe Hawkeye and Banner. And Hawkeye is sitting on the helicopter and Banner's like, you know, I can't have kids. And Clint's like, yeah, I understand. I understand the whole thing with you and Natasha, blah, blah, blah. And Banner's like, what do you mean? Well, you know, they just reach right up there and just rich, rip everything out, you know, the guts and just have over his eyes. I wonder if Barton had said that, how it would have gone over. So it just felt really graphic to me. It just felt really like they were making fun of something that wasn't funny. Yeah, and I'm like, you can't have Natasha's whole presentation in the Age of Ultron be that I'm a monster because I can't have kids and they did this to me and all I can be is an assassin because I have no possibility for a family. And then now it's this graphic, almost kind of locker room joke. Those two things feel so very far apart to me. I'm like, did y'all watch Age of Ultron? You know, so I want to hear your thoughts about that. What do you think about the whole reach in, pull out the guts, hysterectomy scene, uh, start with Bracey. Yeah, that was, that was weird. It, it would have been fine if she had stopped as like, I don't have a uterus. Mm -hmm. And then like, he, he goes like, oh, oh yeah. Kind of wasn't thinking about that. You know, that mm -hmm. could have been a, a point of realization and maybe shame for him. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, like you said, the whole being all jokey about it. Marvel does this weird thing in the MCU, which I hate. They, uh, it, it's not as bad here because that they, they didn't actually make that into a serious moment, but they should have. But they they take their most serious moments and they punctuate it with something silly, and they they do that in the post credit scene here as well as like uh, when we see Yelena standing over Natasha's grave and being all sad, and then we get some idiot blowing her nose right next to her. Yeah, but <laughs> Doctor Strange dramatically puts on the cloak of levitation for the first time, and then it starts wiping his face. Thor watches Asgard go up in flames. Then we got to have a joke about Cord and Meek over here. They constantly do that stuff, and it kills the power of these moments. So it's not quite as egregious here. 
but the fact that they felt that they needed to insert a joke here about something that has been previously shown that Natasha feels incredibly strongly about her inability to ever reproduce. And the same thing for her, you know, sister, uh, the, the fact that they would do that. And it's not even presented as gallows humor. It's not presented as black humor. It's presented as sardonic, uh, smarmy, jokey, Joss Whedon sort of humor. And mm -hmm. this is precisely the wrong place for a joke like that. And let's not forget, <laughs> you talk about male characters. Let's not forget when uh, Tony's thinking about, you know, he's, he's trying to lift up Mjolnir and he makes the joke about uh, inserting that, uh, I forget what they call the rule where like, you know, the Lord of the land gets to have a first crack at your wife whenever you get married and Free the internet. Yes. Thank yeah. you. And the internet lost its friggin' mind over that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, that joke would not fly if a couple well, uh, of guys were saying pre it. Prima Nocta. Yeah. Yes. Prima Nocta. Yeah, which yeah. was a real yeah. thing and it's yes. horrifying. To even yes, think uh, about. if you <laughs> go, uh, go watch Braveheart and you'll see a, a great scene of that in action and it pays off so well later on in the film. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that Prima Nocta thing, there was a lot of backlash over that and it was uh -huh. just something that was kind of casually mentioned and it was just a jokey joke and this was, this was graphically described and I'm like, mm, yeah. mm, go ahead, Emphasis. Um, First of all, I will say that this movie was not as overtly bashed the patriarchy as I thought it could have been. There were its mo it had its moments, but for a Black Widow movie, female-led superhero movie, it was not Captain Marvel. So that is in its credit. I will give it to you right there. But this is one of those moments I think where it is one of those jokes. It is a trope. Uh, I have lived it having you know and been around women who have thought this was funny it's that it, it builds on that old stereotype that men automatically think it's icky and gross and can't handle women talking about you know plumbing stuff the, their period and everything else and so in order to just make it in men even more uncomfortable to drive them right out of the room and out of the conversation you just make it as nasty and as gross as you can talk <laughs> about and you'll just shut the man up you know and, and and it's a trope. It's out there. And there are a lot of women that absolutely believe that, A, first of all, no man can even bother, can, can't even hear the word period. You know, and it's like, excuse me, there's a lot of men raising daughters and we have to deal with that. You know, so, you know, we, we, we and it's not dealing with it. We're there for our daughters and our wives and everything else, you know, but it, it's out there. And, and, and I think that's exactly where this comes came from. It was very obvious to me that this whole thing was supposed to be a big, you know, inside women's joke. And, and I think it really fell flat. I think it mm -hmm. fell flat for a number of reasons. So, you know, not to believe, not the least of which is having a full hysterectomy, especially against your, having a full hysterectomy period is not a laughing matter, you know, because <laughs> they only do that in serious, serious situations, you know, and then having a full hysterectomy against your will, that is just absolutely. As a child, as a child, as a yeah. child, let's not forget. Yeah. That you know, these are young girls, pre-pubescent girls, maybe yeah. kids or whatever. But anything I mean, about that is disgusting. Yeah, I mean that that is that's that's Mingala types, you know, level stuff. So you know, it's just but absolutely I, horrifying. You know, I'm always the same man. I just wish it was the same rules for everybody. That's all. I just wish I knew where the lines were because yeah. the lines keep changing, and I don't deal with changing lines. Well, that's you know, the the equivalent would be somebody joking about you know forcing a man to have you know, 
like okay, here's a perfect example. And 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 force uh, castration at Game of Thrones, where they're mm-hmm. talking to Varys, who yeah. is the spy mm-hmm. master, and he not only had the the berries cut off, he had the twig cut off, he had the whole the whole shebang cut off down there. Nobody was joking about that, you know. Nobody's making light of that. That is a serious thing. Because so. it ain't fun. Okay, <laughs> which uh, leads me to the next thing that I know we've all been dying to talk about, and that is that there is so much in this movie that now those of you that follow me on Twitter know that I have said from the moment Suicide Squad came out, Suicide Squad can only be enjoyed if you see it like a cartoon with live action actors. Because the, the everything about it is like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's just the adventure just happens and ridiculous things happen and everybody has quippy lines and then this happens and that happens. It's a cartoon. So if you see it that way, it just happens to have live action actors, you can get through it because you won't be trying to put more gravitas in something that doesn't have it there. Well, I say that to say this, that when we get to the prison rescue scene, Everything about that scene, if that scene didn't throw you out the movie, you must have been asleep already. Because everything about the prison rescue would just have you, wait, what? It's on the level of just, uh, somebody said, we need a big action set set piece right here. So we're just going to throw everything but the kitchen sink into the scene because it'll look cool. Because there was no thought, (laughs) no thought (laughs) that went into making that scene happen this is another one of those physics moments too so right right that's right right that's at the heart of it but i mean i'll just give you know my gripes and then i'll throw it out to you guys uh i thought it was funny how natasha did the pose even after all that dragging about (laughs) the pose and it was like i have to echo nemesis's uh nemesis's statement that we've seen this done better it was called jason Bourne because like Y'all realize everything about that rescue attempt was stupid, right? I know you wore the white camouflage and everything, but Scarlet got red hair. So that kind of actually makes you stand out. White camouflage, and I'm never against the snow once. Right, right. But (laughs) you come in, you come in, and she's like, why couldn't you give me a better copter and all the different kind of stuff? And I'm like, but you come in with this basically Archie's jalopy old Bessie in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Then you think... Oh, you know, Archie Andrews is Scarjo now. And so then and then you think, you know, I'm like, okay, they shot at it at the beginning and then they stopped. Then they let them do what they wanted to do. And then shot at it again as they were leaving. I'm like, yeah, I realize it just takes one good, you know, well-placed anything on the fuel tank. And, okay, there's that. Y'all all should know that. And the fact that this, this copter was able to get anywhere near this established prison, that's a joke. And then the fact that you're literally defeated by a sonic uh, wave that causes the avalanche. Okay, that never happened before? <laughs> Y'all didn't think about that? There's no fail safe to have a... Co- oh, oh, okay. And then I'm like, y'all do realize that any any sniper ends this like that. Because because Natasha and Yelena are in a static of enough state, they're in the same place for the same time, they're doing whatever, long enough to where anybody that you don't have to be dead shot or bullseye, just have to be a good shot, could have ended this whole thing. And then it's like 
it was another mixed thing where you're, you're thinking, how invulnerable is Red Guardian? They're like, how strong are you? Like how, you know, like what, you know, you could have done this yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you could have, you could have, you could have just bouncing boy your way out of it. Just boom, boom, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, okay, okay. And then, then we just talked about, you know, the hysterectomy joke where they just pulled the guts out. Of, okay. And then there is entirely too much banter for this to be, uh, oh my goodness, race against the clock. We got to get him out about, mm -hmm. oh, no. And I'm looking at this whole thing. I'm like, y'all realize that Wiley Coyote had better schemes than this, right? But anyway, so let me hear what you think about that whole mountain rescue. Lord have mercy. I'll start with Nemesis. All right. Where do I start? I, there's just so much here. Um, I'm going to preface this again by saying once they took me out of the, the air of dis, you know, suspension of disbelief, like I said, I just started noticing all the things. So let's start off with the fact that Red Guardian, you know, breaks somebody through plexiglass, you know, a guy's head. You know, he should have been dead right there. Guy lives, then destroys another dude. Then he kicks down a three three inch armored door kicks it out now he's a super soldier i i will give you that but i've never seen steve rogers ever kick down a three inch armored door steve rogers and super soldiers are the peak of human efficiency but that is a whole other level uh that doesn't oh. count for mcu yeah but okay yeah. but yeah i mean but, steve steve kicks a car which slams into another guy, which knocks the guy 15 feet away. Steve's Steve's not human efficient. He's superhuman in these movies. Okay, so I will give you that. But then Red Guardian starts to climb up. Some dude jumps on his back, and Red Guardian loses his grip because no, he uh, he shocked him. He had a taser. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Then, all right. Then my bad. We'll we'll pass on that for a second. Meanwhile, Red Guardian's hanging out on the ground. So then the helicopter that the flying jalopy comes flying in. And they start aiming at this thing first with small arms fire, and it's as deflecting bullets. But some of the small arms fire is getting through the, the the helicopter. So I'm like, right away, my mind is telling me, okay, this thing is not armored. Okay, it might be bullet resistant. The the glass might be bullet resistant, but small arms fire is getting through this thing. So I'm like, oh, they're in trouble here. You know, she's she's gonna get shot. You know. Yeah. And by the way, going back to that first scene with the plane, we were talking about the physics. Let's let's forget about the fact also that that plane flew from Ohio, Ohio to Cuba, <laughs> and still didn't interdict that slow ass plane. That little so, that little Cessna made it all the yeah, way to Cuba. <laughs> yeah, but let, let's forget about that for a second. So she's up there. Then the defenders of the prison break out a twenty mic mic, a twenty millimeter mm. auto gun, and open fire on this thing, and it hits right where Yelena is. At that point, the movie's over. Elena's yeah. dead. She's a she's a splat of red against the cockpit. So what, does, so what does Elena do? She's like, oh hell no! She puts the autopilot, the auto hover on, which uh, I don't even know if that's a thing on that old helicopter, you know. And it's not advisable to be used right there. So now think about this: she's getting shot at by everybody and their brother, including people with twenty millimeter cannons. And the helicopter is just sitting still, hovering 70 feet above the ground so that everybody and God can take a shot. They can spit at this thing, you know? And then she gets this gun 
that has some sort of, you know, like bazooka gun and fires it. All right. Now I'm really going to nitpick, but I'm nitpicking the hell out of this thing. When you fire a rocket, the box, the backblast from the rocket has got to go somewhere. There's no yes. backblast. Not only that, there's no ricochet. She doesn't even look like she did anything. She's not even breathing hard. And that thing comes flying out. The whole damn inside of the helicopter should be on fire. She should have flown backwards or possibly flown out of the helicopter. And then it hits that thing. And then the avalanche comes down. And let's skip past you know, the horrible CGI as Natasha's swinging around, looking like Spider-Man down there, a bad Spider-Man, and then finally comes down and picks up Red Guardian. Do you realize, if we think about it, that Yelena and Black Widow just killed an entire prison worth of people? That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All of those people are dead. Nobody's coming to rescue them in time. They're running out of air, food, and water out in the middle of Siberia. They're all dead. They just killed hundreds of people. It's okay. They're all dissidents. It's fine. This is how Russia works. Because when nobody innocent in that prison, they would all deserve to die like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so ask me how I really feel about this season. <laughs> anyway, that's my little mini rant. I'm done. So. Okay, okay, go ahead, Bracey. Okay, now I want to preface this by saying, uh, for the most part, one of my favorite parts about this movie was the action. Uh, there are so many great action scenes, which uh, during the pre-show I talked about it was comparable to what the Russos had done uh, with the Captain America movies and uh, the, the Avengers movies following it. I really liked the action. Uh, I liked a lot of the camera work. I liked a lot of the pacing, the staging. Everything from the physical fights to the car chases. I was in it. I was excited. I was enjoying it until I get to this. <laughs> this, this one, this one took me out. This one, this one put me in Nemesis headspace because it broke me. Because as soon as we get to Red Guardian in the prison, I immediately think, "Well, what's he doing here?" Okay, uh, if he's here, it has to be voluntary. He can break out anytime he wants to. Because I'm, I'm looking at it. He's in a standard prison. He's not on the raft. He's not in something like that that's made for super soldiers. He's in a regular Russian prison. So I'm thinking, like, he just walks out anytime he wants to. So, like, when they radio down, it's like, it's time to go. I thought that's exactly what he's going to do. And that's how he started. He just starts whipping out guards, clicking over doors, you know, grabbing shields and blocking open, uh, closing gates and things. I thought he was literally just going to walk out. He's going to hang on that riot shield to deflect bullets. And that's another thing is a shame. We never got to see the Red Guardian with his shield. But I thought he was going to just deflect bullets and like, yeah, you guys can't do crap. And I'm just going to make my way out of here easy peasy. It's, it's like in the movie Hancock when they put Hancock in jail. Hancock's in jail only because Hancock wants to be in jail. And I thought, once again, that would have played into so much of how he is a product of his system, how he is a true believer that when they decided you're too dangerous to be free, that he's such a patriot that he's like, okay, uh, for the good of the state, I will remain incarcerated until the day where maybe you guys call me out of cold storage. That would have been a great way to play the character. But instead, uh, we get, like, I, I, the whole movie, I kept waiting for him to get his moment to shine, but the whole movie, he ends up being a buffoon. His only good scene is in the opening with the plane escape. And then after that, he's completely incompetent. So here he is. He can't escape this place on his own, uh, which he should have been able to do. And the whole, like like Emerson said, the air 
the the helicopter thing was ridiculous. It should have been to bust him out after he just tears his way through the fences and everything. Yeah. Nothing stopping this guy. He, they just they just throw down a rope or they land and boom, they're out of there. Although, uh, if you want to get into logistics of somehow sneaking into Russian airspace and that old beater of a jalopy, that ain't happening. It's it's got no Stark tech on it. You know, we get no mention of anything like that. That's you know that's that's like seventies level of like plot convenience right there for action films. So now the girls have to save him because he can't save himself, and that is the worst thing. Uh, they even they even try. They make a they make a little nod at the, the chopper gets shot up a few times. You start to hear the engine whines like, "Oh crap, they're going to go down. They're all going to have to fight their way out. They're going to have to steal a jeep or a track or something and get out of here." No, no, no. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, while the chopper was not armored, uh, it did have its plot armor defense on. <laughs> uh, engage plot armor. That wasn't that wasn't autopilot. That was engaging the plot armor. I did notice bullets exploding against the canopy even though they're piercing through the metal skin of the chopper but they're 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 blasting on this canopy for some reason although we've never been told why uh knows like oh you know three layers of uh, you know polycarbonate you know bullet resistant windshield nope none of that uh, we have to assume everything we have to do the work in the movie uh which in this case is just even more bs than i was willing to put up with and you want to talk about not getting shot nemesis Yelena has a total Pulp Fiction moment here where she slides open the door. She grabs her rocket launcher. And by the way, guys, I have fired an AT-4. Back blast area clear. <laughs> 15 feet back, that thing's going to jet out. It, that's a Rambo moment. Like when Rambo shoots the RPG with all the vets behind him, it's like, you just killed all the vets you just saved, man. What are you doing? Just to yep. shoot that guy through the windshield. Could have just pulled out a gun and done it. But okay, we're going to be movie cool here. Uh, she fires this thing, and as she opens the door, it takes her forever to get this thing up and going, and this dude is shooting with this cannon, and you see bullets stitch on one side of the door and then the other with six-inch spacing. Yes. Why is she not blown in two? Yeah, she's she's sitting up here like Vincent Vega and Giles going like, oh, man, how did that happen? I guess I'm going to walk the earth like Kung Fu. <laughs> I've, I've got a new lease on life and Marcellus's soul into this briefcase here instead of the red goo. <laughs> Just, I was like, no, no. And, and, and Taskmaster's in this film. When did He's the copycat. Why is Natasha swinging like Spider-Man? She, she literally does the Spider-Man flip into the pose that Spider-Man mm. was doing long yes. before she did. I was like, what? She what? Does. No. No, this 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 was the for me, and I I love action set pieces. If you want to throw one in the middle of the film, I guess like we've got so many beats, we gotta get to some more action. And after so much better action, the film to just throw out this hunk of junk and just try to make it happen, and it it fails visually, it fails narratively, it fails emotionally, and it fails character wise because these are smart. Ladies, they are master spies. And either you let this bull just smash his way out because he's got the capability of doing it, or you pull a move like the old TV show Leverage or Jason Bourne, something you sneak in there and you get him out. You find out he's all locked up like the way Winter Soldier was in uh, in Civil War, like the special cell and stuff. It, no, no, this, th this doesn't fit in this film at all. I cannot suspend any amount of disbelief for this film this this particular scene 
it, it's worthless. It's worthless. And, and I will add that they had to put the exclamation point on this scene as they're flying away. They're saying they're going to St. Petersburg and they don't have enough fuel to make it. And then the damn helicopter falls out of the sky like Bugs Bunny. The only thing it didn't do was stop because in that midair because it ran out of fuel. Hits the ground. No, you know, the helicopter rotor's not auto-rotating, nothing. Just hits the ground and sticks there. Doesn't blow up. I will fall apart, and they just walk away. Just I, I will admit, it. like, Red Guardian could be able to walk away from that at his level of power as demonstrated in the movie. The girls are not. Uh, exactly. But I, I did think that was funny. I'll give him that. I thought that was pretty funny. It, it was funny, but it was funny, but it didn't fit at but all. But it, 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 it shouldn't have been. The, the whole point shouldn't have been, like, you know, I don't think we have enough fuel because, you know, these tanks are only so bad. We don't have enough fuel because this thing got shot and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not leaking a, fuel. Not only that, it, it fell out of the sky. It was straight. Vertically, yeah. It was, it, was, it, was clearly, it was clearly dropped from a crane. Yeah. So it was just like, it was just comical. It literally was comic booking. You know, like, right, right. Literally comic booking. That's what I mean when I say you've got to pick a physics structure and you've got to stick with it. Because it's going to be jarring, but see, it's jarring on a subconscious level. Yeah, you don't I mean, have to actually consciously process what's bothering you, but your brain will know. Like, wait a minute, wait a like, minute, wait a minute. Like, for instance, here's here's a way that it was done right. If we look at the Matrix, uh, we had established people who were asleep in the Matrix. Matrix were human level. Uh, then you had the people who had been woken up, and they had the super kung fu. And then there's another tier above that, the agents. The agents are amped up over those people because they have to be better. Otherwise, the, the machines are going to lose control. Oh, and one other thing I forgot to mention about the Red Room a while back. If you want to see uh, a non-magical way of breaking somebody out of mind control, I highly recommend the film Equilibrium. As you watch, uh, as you watch uh, 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 the, the character in there, uh, what's the actor's name? He just played Batman. Um, Christian Bale, as you watch Christian Bale as he's winged off the drugs that keep him being uh, an emotionless assassin and he starts to break out and become a real human being again there's a good example of that or as Nemesis keeps referring to, the Bourne series yeah, great great movie Equilibrium and example 1507 of Sean Bean dying at everything he's ever been <laughs> I hear he's actually refused to take parts where he dies he's like alright, it's too much of a trip, I'm not doing it yeah I don't think it's possible. I think that he's off himself at some point. But. All right. <laughs> Two more things we're going to talk about, then we're going to wrap this up because we covered the most stuff. But I do have to just chime in again here on Nemesis' point about the incompetency of the men because, you know, the, one of the ones that bothered me the most was Mr. Handmaid's Tale, Friend Zone, Alfred, you know, uh, the bad suit is perfection. It will be when it fits a woman. I don't want, you know, that whole thing. That whole thing was all those tropes rolled up in uh, one character. I'm like, I'm like, really, dude, really? So, so she's gonna talk to you like that. You're the one, just like Kay Kane was, you know, dragging Bruce Wayne. I'm like, you broke in the Batcave and you broke in Wayne Manor and you broke in his office and you stole everything he built while you're dragging him. While you're yeah. talking about, you know, the suit is perfection. We know when it fits a woman and I don't want a man getting credit for a woman's work. And those were the trailers. And you thought we were supposed to watch that show. It's like Obama needs to like suddenly pop out the side of the screen. Like Ed Boone used to in like a mortal Kombat. Like you didn't build this and then pop back out. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And then, and then he's, he's obviously, 
he's, you know, he's the, the hapless beta that's in love with the girl that's never in a million years gonna be with her. You he's, are you are ducky, you are not Blaine, you are yes. never <laughs> you are never. I'm just grateful he's getting paid at all. That's the only thing that doesn't make him a simp. <laughs> you know, but, every time, but every time we see this guy, every time we see this guy, he's taking a nap on the ground. Now I want you to put them two things together in your mind that he has access and connections to this kind of equipment. And every time we see him, he's parked out on the ground like like he's living a bohemian lifestyle, and and you know he's just longing for Natasha. And what's his name? There's a Supergirl that was Toy Man's son. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, the one that was a programmer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, got, got, got the great singing voice. I'm like, we meet you. You're like, you know, Carl would never without her powers. Carl wouldn't date you. You get that right? Mm. So it's like this guy, and I'm like. Oh, I, that's another trope I can't stand. I'm like, you get a life, she ain't gonna never get with you, and whatever. So, other two things we have to talk about are Taskmaster and Harvey Weinstein. So, we'll do Taskmaster <laughs> first. Uh, I've already said, we've already said countless times that that was a dude, the stunt man was a dude, everything about that presentation walked like a dude, or whatever. And then we have the big reveal that everybody called at the end. But also, you didn't realize that it, you know, when you did that, I'm looking at that like I got something stuck in my eye. You know, I got some soap in my eye from the shower. Because I'm like, you realize it made a, uh, Natasha incompetent because you put a bomb in the bill and didn't kill nobody. And I'm like, and then she's guilty all this time for nothing. I'm like, mm. but anyway, so we have this big reveal. I'm like, this has been a dude. You walk like a dude, you throw like a dude, you stand. Like a dude, there's a way you hold your shoulders. There's a way that your hips move this way as opposed to the swivel. Mm -hmm. you know. And if y'all think that's sexist, then be mad. What I said was, there's a way that your hips move that's different because women have a flexibility in the pelvis. They have more fatty deposits. Uh, everything about that because it shifts for birth, which is something that is not in us at all. Biological males, that's what I'm talking about. And so, and I'm saying that to say that everything about the on-screen moving told everybody, this is a dude. And then here we come, you know, we're just in, okay. And then I'm like, I said it before, that Olga is known for her beauty. She's known for that exotic look. She's known for her attractiveness. So you're going to ugly her up and give it a big eye and the scars and all that. And I'm like, okay. And then um, uh, it was just something that that you know I didn't buy. And then of course, when we get to the Harvey Weinstein part, she's also redeemed at the end because she comes out of it. And every woman's a victim. Yes. Just by the time this is over, there's no one that was actually a patriot for their country except Red Guardian, and he's a buffoon. But all the women, even though they're whatever they just end up being victims of this guy whatever and i'm like so I, I tried to do something that was impossible i tried to say if i didn't know the comics what would be my response which i can't ever do i don't know why i keep trying to act like i could ever do that because i can't but i said if i'm coming into this movie fresh and i didn't know anything about the Taskmaster character my response would have been that nothing i saw really makes any sense because if you can 
do that <laughs> with Taskmaster and Taskmaster and everything that happened with that character, I'm like, you instead of you know doing an army of widows that may or may not be on that level, you just would have made an army of task masters and task mistresses, whatever, and taken over the world or sold a formula. There's a lot more you would have done if you could do something like that. And then it's like when you reveal that you're because there was the man behind the curtain, there was the Wizard of Oz, Harvey Weinstein, evil character, but your physical antagonist, the one that's fighting. Scarjo, when you reveal that that's a big mind control or they don't really want to do it or they have a, a very quick, we just met you, now you have a redemption arc, then it doesn't feel like there's any real stakes. It doesn't really feel like there's any real emotional connection or stakes because, okay, 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 to give you the better contrast, when Hulk saves Betty in the Norton film, I stand by my love of that film. I will not apologize for loving that film. Mm -hmm. When Hulk saves Betty, Betty's screaming. They're using the Sonics. You know, Hulk is trying to fight through the Sonics, and we know Hulk's strength has increased. He's got to get angry, and he's getting angry, and he's fighting. He takes the parts of the tank and uses them as a shield, and Betty's screaming, Bruce, okay. Then we see that Ross is so dead set, so obsessed with what happens that he puts his own daughter in danger. And if it wasn't for the very man he was trying to kill, who wraps his arms around the woman he loves and protects her from that helicopter explosion and the fire, Betty would have been toast. Mm -hmm. And Hulk looks up and catches Ross's eye and growls. And he says with his eyes what I just said with my words. He said, you fool, you think I'm the monster? You could have killed your daughter trying to capture me. That, that's stakes. That's emotional connection. That makes you care. That means any confrontation they have later on in the film, we're going to feel the weight just because of that scene alone. With Taskmaster, which is hard to say three times fast, from start to finish, I felt nothing. I felt zero. I'm like, okay. Oh, you're his daughter. Okay. Oh, you're okay. I feel, I'm like, you know, and that's again not what I wanted to see Natasha fight because Natasha uses her emotions as a part of our arsenal. Again, the Loki scene, which is brilliant. So I'm like, you didn't need to do that with Natasha out of all care, because it should have been a situation where, where somebody was trying to out Natasha Natasha. Mm. And instead of doing the, you know, I'm just going to see from my nose with one blow, by the way, I just get it right the first time and oop, look, the spell's broken. Okay. What are y'all like the poppies from the Wizard of Oz? But anyway, it should have been someone that was bringing Natasha's game at a level that she herself had never seen. And then she had to go to another level to defeat that foe. That's what they tried to do with Harvey Weinstein, but they didn't quite pull it off. But that should have been the taskmaster function. I'm more widow than you. So let me see if you can pull out the stops and go to another level to beat me. But instead I felt none of that flat like a pancake. So let me hear your thoughts on Taskmaster uh, Star Wars Bracey. Oh, man. What a disappointment for me. Um, for one thing, Taskmaster is way underutilized in the film. Uh, we had such a promising start with him uh, in the, and I'm going to keep calling him because that was a dude in that suit, <laughs> except for that ridiculous CGI head at the end. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, God knows, it was so obvious. I think when she initially takes off the helmet, uh, the actress complained that the suit was heavy. But the very next shot, when Taskmaster is walking across the floor with the, the teeny tiny little woman head coming out of the big suit is like, that's that's the actor, that's the stunt guy, and that's her head CGI'd into the spot. It looked ridiculous. It was so stupid. You talk about a moment that takes you out of a film. I was like, no, 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 no. This is like PlayStation 1 levels of bad, man. Come on. You can't do that. I got, I got to pull a Biden on you. Like, come on, man. No, no, not accepting. I do not accept. Um. Taskmaster is one of those villains who's not considered like top tier as far as popularity. But for those of us who are comic book fans, uh, he ranks up there just like uh, Mysterio is not a top tier Spider-Man villain. But I've always really enjoyed the idea and the uh, a good implementation of Mysterio in a Spider-Man comic. And I even liked what they did with him in uh, in Far From Home. Uh, they made him a really credible threat in the way they used uh, um, a more modern technology to create his illusions. I thought it was pretty brilliant. So you really got the essence of the character out of that. Here, we we don't get the essence of Tony Masters at all. And even if we're turning it, you know, because the MCU likes to play with uh, Origins a lot, if they're not the most prominent and well-known classic characters. I could have bought him being a Russian agent uh, especially after they lost the Winter Soldier. Well, you've mm -hmm. got to replace somebody as dangerous as that. Who better than the Taskmaster? He's got a whole power set that makes him really scary uh, for any like uh, you know hand-to-hand -hand combatant to deal with. He's got you know the skills of like half the flipping Avengers, uh, and plus he's obviously been uh, physically enhanced. You know he's pulling off the superhuman moves and all that. And then when you when you make that reveal that it's like this teeny tiny woman in this oversized suit, I had the same reaction. You want to talk about detail? You wondering how you would react if you didn't know anything about it. I had this reaction while I was watching solo, uh, uh, the star Wars movie, we get introduced to this, uh, cool masked character and they're leading this band of like rebels slash renegades. And they're, they're, they're thwarting all this empire stuff. And, and the person, in the suit's clearly a dude, like you said, the way, the way they move, the way they fight, it's just different. Men have a center of gravity up here in their chest. Women's is down in their hips. We're built yes. differently. And if yeah, you know yeah. anything about movement, and I'm an artist, uh, you know, I, I observe things and people all the time. I, I just know how this functions. Even on a subliminal level, you are going to know. Uh, nothing in any of the trailers told me Taskmaster was a woman. Nothing. Right. And so I had the same reaction when, like, this, when this, uh, when this cool mask character takes off their mask and is like, Oh, it's like a 16-year-old girl. Right, whatever. Yeah, it just completely killed any mystique for that character that had been built up to that point. So Taskmaster, even if you have him as just this uh, silent assassin character, he has that mystique of the the classic masked little-spoken characters like your, your Boba Fett or your Rensler from Tron Legacy or any of a number of uh, faceless silent killers or antagonists who just seem unstoppable. He, he can be like a, you know, a superhero version of a Michael Myers or a Jason. He's just this, this force that you can't beat. You've just got to run from. 
now what do we have here? We have Natasha. And like, I love your analogy of like, I'm more widow than you are. Mm -hmm. That is great. There is no way Natasha can beat this, this thing. There's no way she can beat the taskmaster. Mm -hmm. It is Schwarzenegger versus the predator. You are not going to win a one-on-one. -on -one. So what do you do? Natasha has to do things. Once she understands how the taskmaster works, Natasha has to do things that have never been done before. Natasha has got to outfight her in a way that has never been done before. She has got to out-strategize, out-plan, out-tactician, set up booby traps. Let's see a situation where she leads the taskmaster into a situation where she has the advantage. And a great example of this is um, the way, like, uh, if you look at the prequels, the way Dark Maul leads the fight into a space where he can separate the Padawan from the master so he can take them on one at a time. He controls the battlefield. And by virtue of that, he is able to take out Qui-Gon Jinn. We needed to see something like that. Uh, we need to see the Schwarzenegger booby trap. Natasha needed to do something that she couldn't just do. She can't outfight the Taskmaster. It's just not possible if they are on a even plane physically. She's not going to outfight somebody who's got all these fighting styles in their brain, who can copy anything you do, who can anticipate anything you can do. So you have to come up with something that's way outside of your wheelhouse. And that would have been a very satisfying conclusion to dealing with the Taskmaster. Uh, the second thing is, and you hit on this, and like, okay, we see the daughter through the window of the building. We see Weinstein up there in the building. And then a second later, boom, bomb goes off. So did he shield himself with his daughter? Exactly. Because he's not scarred up, but her face is all jacked up. What, what, what kind of bomb blows up one person in half a story, but not the other guy in the room? Uh, why are you not even trying? Why Maybe. are you? Maybe yeah. a green goblin pumpkin bomb, maybe. Yeah, because, something because remember they it it blew the flesh off of the men that it hit and their skeletons dropped. Maybe right. that. But here, here we see a an entire room go up in flames. Maybe a floor. Yeah, you know, there's like you know, the reflection was like a very big explosion. I understand there's like, you know, you're doing something cinematically, but you also have to understand uh we're watching this. We're invested in it. This guy doesn't have any superpowers. Did his fat save him? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It, you know, like, oh, good thing I was uh, such a fan of McDonald's when it came to America, you know, came from America. The only good thing, it saved my life in explosion. No, no, no. It's, it's, and, and they never bother. And that's the, that's the thing that pisses me off the most. They never bother to explain how he survived. It's like, it's not like, you know, some sensor went off, you know, just a quick flashback. You know, I, I hit the panic room button. Uh, I was pulling my daughter in the, the fire came and it, it lit her up before I got her all the way into the room. Something like that. You can't just ask me to accept that you blew up a room when we can see two people are in it. One of them is scarred and the other one's fine. You can't. You can't just do that. It, it does them, not work. A child is a child. What about yeah. the weight differential? What about proximity to the bomb? But still, it shouldn't have mattered in a room that size. No, no. It's like uh, 
that you know talking about like cartoon and comic book logic that's uh, that's really asking us to stretch it to the nth degree because when you do that sort of thing and you can't even give me an explanation not even just you know 30 seconds 10 seconds 15 seconds something uh, to explain like you know natasha's like you know this whole thing oh, I, I killed him like no you didn't here's how uh you insult my intelligence as as an audience uh you insult everybody's intelligence it's it just shows how little you thought how little thought you put into it and frankly how little you kind of cared uh you just decided at some point uh to make a spectacle which is a real shame because i really like two-thirds of this movie but by <laughs> the end kind of like watching scar joe's performance you've just kind of given up yes yes and she did play like like it was a funeral dirge like it was a pre-funeral procession especially when she gets the blonde hair yeah she played that whole thing like like i'm on my way out Go ahead, Nemesis. Thoughts about uh, Taskmaster? Yeah, I've been saving some some of what I'm about to say for, just for this moment. So, oh boy, what's happening? Um, I'm going to hit both these characters. I'm going to start off with the Taskmaster character. Now, you know, I think you guys hit on a lot of what's going on with Taskmaster really well. So, I'm not going to even touch on the fact that you know the big reveal turned out she was a woman and everything. In fact, let's say that I'm okay with them gender swapping Taskmaster. You know, it, it bugged me, but let's say that, you know, they gave us a reason for it and everything. I think one of the problems that Scarlo comes off so flat in this character is that she has no arc in this movie yeah. at all. She has no story arc. The story arc really belongs to Elena. She is the one that grows in this movie, that changes, that becomes a different person. And part of that problem, um, and this is going to lead me right into Taskmaster, is that they had the perfect vehicle to have a story arc to wrap up Natasha's story because we start the movie seeing Natasha supposedly thinking she kills not only this general, but her his daughter. Then she comes to find out that the daughter is alive. Well, instead of doing it in the ham-fisted way they did it, it could have been that she decides, you know, you, we do know that it's a girl that they figure out that this is someone that was in the Black Widow program. They try and use the magic dust on him. I'll give you all of that. You know, that's broken, but it's broken already. It's in the movie. So they try and do it. And then Taskmaster, for the first time ever, speaks her first lines in the movie. She laughs that hollow laugh and brings that mask off and goes, why do you think they would ever need to mind control me to want to kill you? Oh, that would have been so good. Mm. You, you tried to kill me when I was a kid. And then Natasha is fighting against her for her life against one of her past mistakes. And then you do all the stuff that Jeff was talking about. And when she eventually defeats Taskmaster, probably with the help of Red Guardian Yelena as well, then Natasha's got a choice. And we see Natasha make the choice that she didn't make before. And we see character growth. She lets Taskmaster live. Hmm. Taskmaster is going to get captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. in prison on the raft, but she doesn't kill her. And so that gives us some closure to Natasha as a character so that when she dies only a few months later or whatever it is in Avengers Endgame, you know, it's actually years later because of the five years and everything. We have some closure. on. We have a we have an arc for Natasha's character. They had it all right there. Yeah. Even with all the mistakes they had with the magic dust and the female taskmaster, all of it was right there for them. 
and, and they didn't grab it because that was that was Natasha's mistake. That was her flaw. That was her arc to clean up, and they didn't use it. It was oh, all written there. That's well, so I, perfect, man. That's so perfect. I can't believe they didn't do that. No, that's awesome. Uh, how I envisioned it, how I would have written it was, I would have had Natasha run into a training room and activate a secret protocol that she knew and Taskmaster didn't, and then have her stand perfectly still. So Taskmaster didn't have anything to imitate. And then if, <laughs> Natasha, if Natasha moved, then Taskmaster steps on a bomb or lets something out. Or Taskmaster has no idea what's going to happen. Yes. So if you mimic, that doesn't mean you're going to win. Oh, you do one of those. Uh, you do the one of those X Men movements where you go to the danger room and you just disengage the safety protocols. <laughs> Something that Natasha would yeah. know from having been through the Widow program that Taskmaster might not necessarily, or maybe yeah, a I like it. I like it. Built that, into Widows, but not give her anything to imitate. Just say, you know, you don't know how to get out of here, and I do. Yeah, and but you that can't, you know, and you oh, can't trust ahead. what you see me do. If I step to the left, that might be a bomb on your left. Go ahead. Yeah. But this character was just so clearly Natasha's arc, and they chose because they wanted to pass that baton on to Elena, uh, not to give Natasha an arc at all. And you still could have done everything else you did with Elena. Elena is getting the baton pass, whether we like it or not, and I like it. I think you guys like it. But we still could have closed out Natasha in a good way just by giving her a story arc, you know, and, and they had it set up there. So then yeah, that... This this oh, would have been the yeah. This would uh like you know because they made the reference again about all the red in her ledger, yeah. But this was the biggest blotch in her ledger right there, killing a child. Yeah, and, and dude, realized, you solved it. This was the perfect opportunity to have her going away and us really feeling good about her. Yeah, that was the same arc they did with Agent May and Agents of Shield, killing that child all those years ago and haunting you and making you cold and detached because yeah. you didn't want to face your own pain and guilt. So, so there's that. Now let's get on to Harvey Weinstein. You know, <laughs> you, you, you guys have touched on everything about this character, but the one thing I really wanted to bring up about this character, and, and the one thing that is really dismaying to me about the MCU going forward is they're doing some stuff that, that I think is good or some stuff that could turn out to be good. You know, I'm not going to say that it's good now. I got to wait to see how it all goes together. But some of the stuff is, looks promising. But some of the stuff has gotten just lazy and lazy to the point where, you know, one of the, the strengths of the MCU versus DCEU a lot was the MCU, when they tied these movies together, made sure that they had continuity. Feige was always keeping continuity and all this stuff so that the comic book nerds would look at the whole MCU universe and look at it as a whole and say, yeah, A, B, C, D, E, it just flows together. And sometimes there were small retcons here and there but they were small. One of the biggest ones here is the fact that during the whole, you know, old factory thing. And, and that's, you know, let me touch on that real quick. That whole thing is ridiculous. So much so that I want to go back into the next two Avengers movies and see if Natasha ever spelled everything, because if you <laughs> sever your old factory nerve, it's it. That's it. It's gone. Your old factory sense is gone. You never smell anything for the rest of your life. There's no way to regenerate a nerve. You never smell anything again. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. But Harvey reveals that there are thousands of widows all over the world. And for decades, you know, at least two decades, those widows have been toppling governments, starting wars, affecting stock prices, 
you know, everything, everything you could possibly think of, he's been controlling from his little room there. And who is he answering to, by the way? It's not the Russian government anymore, I don't mm-hmm. think so. So, but that's a whole other story. My point is this. You have clearly established that there are a number of very powerful agencies, spy agencies, uh, secret organizations in the MCU, besides the, the ones that we know of in our real world. You know, you've got the CIA, the KGB, uh, the Mossad, MI5, MI6, you know, all those somehow have missed this dude and his legion of super hot chicks that are going around <laughs> public governments and everything. All right. If you want to say all the government spy agencies are incompetent, all right, I'll roll with it. But then you're going to tell me that Hydra's incompetent because Hydra's not going to stand for somebody messing up what they want to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I'm I, my eyebrows raised a little bit. Then you're going to tell me, as an MCU watcher, the Shield is incompetent. Okay. If you if you say so, and then to put the icing on top of this cake, you're going to tell me that Wakandan intelligence is incompetent. That Wakanda doesn't know about any of this. Yeah, because wasn't one of the widows at the end Wakandan? Because one of them looked really Wakandan to me. It's it's possible, you know. But it's like okay, now now you completely lost me. You lost me when it was Hydra. Then you're saying Hydra and Shield didn't know about it and didn't take this guy out. Now you're saying Hydra Shield and Wakanda, and probably you know if there was a real aim and if Doctor Doom is out there with Latveria floating around somebody and all this other stuff, they didn't know anything about it either. You know, and the Chinese Communist Party didn't know about it, and and all of those people. You know, the Ten Rings. None, nobody knew anything. I'm like, yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, uh-uh, not happening. And and I know some of you out there may be saying, "Ma'am, you're overthinking this." You're like, yeah, you're am right. I'm overthinking it because I'm a comic book fan. That's what we do. That's we, what we, we do. We we look at all of this stuff and see how it ties together. And the thing that we love is that they create a world that ties together. And when it doesn't work, and when it's broken, and this breaks everything right here. This breaks the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody realizes it. This concept that there have been thousands of widows out there affecting world events for decades and nobody knew about it breaks the world. It breaks it all. You know, that's right. So. That's right. So, so not only do we get the evil white man controlling the strings, you know, everybody's dancing to his tune. He's responsible for all the evil in the world, literally. <laughs> not only do we get that. But we get the fact that the vaunted black widows are just victims and puppets, which actually makes them smaller. Yeah. And and we never get the explanation as to why Natasha is the standout black widow. And then not only that, but it also felt like because Natasha always had some of that one girl chosen in all of the world vibe. We knew since there were other girls in that red room, she wasn't the only assassin. But there was something about Natasha Romanoff because everyone that knew her said something to that effect. But we never got to see what that something is. But now she's just one among many. And now it's kind of, you know, a legion of widows and they're all coming out of it. And, you know, they killed all the other winter soldiers and they hit Bucky. But what did they do with, you know, all these freed trained widow soldiers and obviously international because the camera made a point to pan in on the women of color, if you noticed that it was a kind of oh, a yeah. bend over backwards, it just isn't about white women moving. And they kept, you know, showing all that and all that. And I'm saying, the, the thing, thing you broke the world, but the things you opened up, 
don't make any sense given everything we've seen up to this point. Well, not not only that, let, let's think at it. You know, one of my things that I love to do is I love to write villains, and I think like the villains a lot. So if I'm a villain in the MCU, and suddenly it comes across my radar that out in the world there are thousands of beautiful women who have borderline super soldier abilities, spies, assassins, man, I am scooping up widows like candy, you know? Mm -hmm. They're getting scooped up by the CIA. They're getting scooped up by the KGB. You know, Hamas, you know, is scooping them up. The Mossad is, I mean, everybody is like running around. It's the new thing. You know, everybody wanted to get vibranium before. They're like, hell, hell yeah. vibranium. We're scooping up widows, you know? It's, so a, it's like, a widow's, right. it becomes a widow's arms race. Yeah. But I tell you, the most uh, the most disappointing thing for me is like it it stepped right out of uh, Wandavision when Natasha is talking to her mother. You know, she's asking, "Oh, how'd you keep your heart and all that?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, you gave me that strength, and I made the whole thing about it. it should have been the taste of America, but we can't be patriotic these days." And like you said, the only patriotic person is treated like an idiot. I'm, I'm sorry when you just said taste of America. I flashed back to Ricky Bobby and and <laughs> maybe said, Jesus. You taste like freedom. <laughs> you know, baby Jesus is my favorite Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, looking at that, and what does she do? She absolves her mother. It's like, you know, you were raised in the system. You never had a choice. It's like, well, so were you, but you got out. So, no, it like, so you, you know, she had a choice, but then you absolve her of making a choice because right. you even call her a coward at the dinner table. And now that you've made all these other people mind-controlled, that now that you've made everybody a victim, uh, you know, you want to make this, uh, if you want to make this all, like, uh, about a, uh, empowered women sort of thing, you've just utterly failed because none of these people have agency anymore. You just took it all away. Right. Also, that's just what I was going to say. It goes straight to DT's point, and it, yeah. it makes Natasha little. Yeah, and it makes... Again, emphasize the point she doesn't have an arc because yeah. her arc was part of breaking out of that cycle and redeeming herself and becoming a better person you know and then we could have put the explanation point on the end with taskmaster but then that would also leave the question at the end you know if you want to you know change the world if we're not going to say break the world with these thousands of widows now you've got thousands of free radicals out there they're going to make their own choices and obviously some of them are going to go bad some of yeah. them might go to hydra or go to aim or go to you know yeah, killing is the only thing i know how to do so i guess i'll yeah. keep doing that <laughs> go to serpent society and a whole bunch of other things you know so well the way to do it and the way i would have done it putting on my writer's hat was the way to properly uh, address everything we're talking about is to make natasha be the first widow that completely broke free of the mind control on her mm. own. There's no yeah. death, there's no anything, but through strength of will or through a high threshold tolerance of pain or because we saw her do that with Barton. When Barton was under low-key spell, she smacked him and so they went out and then she smacked him some more and then she talked him back into himself, which made me believe that you've been through that process. How else would you yeah. know? You know, that kind of thing. And so Natasha actually should have been a legend Natasha Romanoff should have been the Black Widow that everybody knew, even though it's whispered in hushed tones. The Black Widow that everybody knew was the only one to beat the mind control and be a spy, be a whatever, because she chose to. 
And that's what made her distinctive. And then everyone else would have lived in that shadow because no one else would have been first. And if you do that, that also, uh, because I would have had Natasha, well, I mean, I never would have got rid of Natasha. If I had to get rid of Natasha to make way for Yelena, I would have had Natasha retire. And I would have had, I would have had her say something like, it would have been no in-game death. It would have been more like, you know, I lived this life, I paid my dues, and now I just want to make sure that anybody who chooses this life does it on their own and not because they're being mind controlled. That's a and, hero. And, that. we, and we saw with like Endgame, she could easily transition into an administrative sort of role. Yes. It, or like she's, know, she's, she's leading the team from the chair, you know? You know, we, we were talking about um, the, the, you know, earlier, the movie that could have been made. One of the movies we were talking about is, you know, Barton bringing over Natasha. They had another mm -hmm. perfect example to go on what DT was saying. So, you know, one dose of chemicals is eventually going to wear off. But let's say that they had something implanted, like that chip that they were talking about, and it gave you a continual dose of those chemicals. And mm -hmm. it was implanted in so such a place that it's hard to get out without killing them. Yeah. And Fury finds out about it and tells Barton, who is the one marksman on the planet who could pick that thing off precisely <laughs> and free Natasha from her mind control? That's great. Hawkeye. So Hawkeye finds out about it. Fury's like, we got, you know, we got new information, whatever. And Barton's fighting her. And he's just like, you know, he takes like a, a pin, like a, a straight pin or something that ricochets it off four wall. Ding, ding, ding. Boom, right there. Kills <laughs> it. You know, kills the, the, the mind control thing. And she goes unconscious. She wakes up at a shield safe house two days later. And the drugs are starting to wear off. And bam, bam, boom. Begin the movie. Here we go. You know. So there were definitely ways that it could have been done. And I was deeply dissatisfied. And this is what I said at the beginning. I would explain. I was deeply dissatisfied and disenchanted with Black Widow's death in Endgame. This movie made me hate it more. Mm. Because she deserved a better send-off than that. Because she's a more complex character than that. And even even if I'm going to go ahead on and accept the Endgame ending, if, if I'm going to accept that, then... I needed Natasha to say what I just said. You know, I live my life. I've lived that life. I've broken free. You know, if I'm going to give my life, it's going to be my choice. If I'm going to give my life, it's going to be to save the world. Maybe I brought, brought more damage in the world than I thought. But now I'm going to save it. Something more heroic, something more noble, something more than what came across was a little bit almost like, you know, Clint, I'm kind of desperate to die. So I got yeah. to come here to go ahead on and take myself out. So you're not going to stop me and that kind of thing. Yeah. The whole thing about, you know, fighting your best friend or your first love or whatever the heck they were from committing suicide, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm like, y'all just kept making Natasha more and more small. Yeah. That like that scene would have played out a lot better if she'd have like zapped Clint. It's like, you know, Clint's like, Oh, one of us has got to go. And, you know, you're more important. You know, she zaps him. You know, he's he's laying there too stunned to move. And she's like, you know, this is my chance to make up for everything. And unlike me, you do have a family and something to live for. And then she takes the dive. There didn't need to be a big fight. And that would have been a much more impactful moment. I, I will say that, you know, my last comment before we wrap it all up is that in the, the two uh, in game and, and uh, Infinity War, 
I agree with you. They made her small, but I think they kind of stepped on their feminist message as well because they showed Natasha as empty and and not wanting to live anymore because she didn't feel she had she could have family. And it's like, yeah, she had this horrible thing happen to her, but she had other families. She had family in Barton's family. She did. Know? But yeah, you and, know? and and that doesn't jive with what we've seen before, where like she was trying to engage with Bruce. Yeah, you know, she was she was looking for a companion. She wasn't desperate to die. That's right. But they totally just yeah. got rid of that aspect of her personality. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think they really did step on the the feminist message a little bit, which is you know for the longest time, and and rightly so to be in my opinion. You know, I have nothing against women who want to have children, but you know, a woman's worth is not only in her having children. You know, mm -hmm. you could have family without it, and a whole host of other things. And they kind of stepped on that a little bit, if you were being honest about it, you know? Yeah, well, de definitely that scene with Banner in Age of Ultron is not someone who was trying to die, do whatever. That was someone who's trying to escape their pain and run away, which was rather teenagery, but it wasn't suicidal, which was the point. It was fairy tale-ish, for sure, but not suicidal. And then the final scene with Yelena by her grave upends everything that we saw in Endgame, because did she get a grave? Did she get a service? Did Yelena go back and make that tombstone? Did the family do that? Why don't more Avengers know that she has a grave there? Because the grave is public knowledge because there were flowers and all those other stuff on it. So yeah. that kind of blows your whole, you know, what happened to Natasha's service because everybody's like, everybody's mourning over Tony, but we're like, well, wait a minute. And once again, that made her almost inconsequential. You know, I, honestly, I, when they're doing the, the cemetery, the, uh, the, the scene for Tony, Mm -hmm. They should have just like it should have been like Arlington in a way. They should set aside a plot just for the Avengers, and there would have been Tony and Natasha's. Yes, yes. Plot there. there you go. There you go. There you go. That's uh, it. I, I, I said I wasn't going to say anything else, but the last thing I'll say about the the end credit scene. One, is anybody like me and already hate the Elaine Bennis character after this and Falcon and Winter Soldier? You know, Elaine Bennis and the MCU. You know, Julia Louis Dreyfus. I can't stand her. And <laughs> the other thing is. Why did Elena do the the Hunger Games Mockingbird whistle? Yeah, what, what was that all about? What was uh, that? It was to tease us to make us think that maybe Natasha wasn't dead and she whistled back. I, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I, was, I, I was sitting there. I was waiting for someone to do the Mockingbird sign, you know, the Mockingjay sign, you know, <laughs> from <laughs> the Hunger Games. <laughs> all you right, know? we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, so you know, in conclusion, uh no matter what our angle and what our perspective, the one thing we can't agree on. And remember, we're not doing the thing that nerds get accused of, of throwing tantrum because it wasn't what I wanted. We're doing the thing of, there was a good movie in there somewhere, but they didn't bring it out here where we could see it. And that's the biggest and, theme of all. Go ahead. We, didn't, we didn't hate female character either. We wanted something great for this character as she left. Scarlett yeah. Johansson was great as Black Widow. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that whole thing is just an empty accusation because we've always loved strong female characters. That's not that's not ever been a real thing in geek world. You can go back to Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. You can go back to Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman. You can go back to Joanna Cameron's Isis. You can go all the way back in the day. We have always loved Ripley, Sarah Connor, Xena. You know, Buffy. We have always loved our. Like I even, 
I even liked Electric Woman and Dinah Girl. Dinah Girl, right, our female <laughs> action heroes. But it's what you said, Nemesis, that's the biggest tragedy of all, that Natasha from the comics is the James Bond. And if you mm. want to give her any other kind of angle, the Jason Bourne of the MCU. And that's who we should have seen all the way through. And this, this character was someone who wasn't sure who she was from movie to movie. And now that we have an insight as to what she came from, it had a retroactive effect on everything else we've seen, but not in a good way. So, so you know, so we're just hoping going forward that we can see some of the respect necessary to really pull the story off and just some solid storytelling, just a, a solid plan from the beginning, uh, like we got originally, and things unfolding where that makes sense, where the things that have already been established uh, jive and coalesce and fit with the things that we see later. Black Widow, I'm sorry to say, is the opposite of that. Black Widow has that opposite effect that everything we saw in this film totally upends everything we've seen up to this point. But we still love ScarJo. We still love Natasha Romanoff. I love the comics version. She She's just a, a completely different character, but you know I love both of them. And uh, you know we just wish she had gotten a better send off and we want to see some more of the Russian Incredibles. <laughs> so perhaps when they introduce Yelena, they did say that Rachel Wise's character is coming back and maybe Red Guardian too. So we will see the Ursat's parents again, I think, just <laughs> not Natasha. So that's going to be a good time. So at least we have that to look forward to. All right. I want to thank my guests. Thank you so much, Nemesis. No problem. This is a great discussion. I really loved it. Thank you so much, Dr. Bracy. Always a pleasure. And my prescription is to go out and watch good movies. Good movies are good for you. Uh, that's it. Uh, don't forget to check out the other things we have on United Capes Podcast Network. And we will see you the next time on the next episode of Sloppy Spoilers. 